Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Pat Corain. As we get ready to preview the entire Week 5 slate, we're going to go in-depth in some of the week's biggest games, including the Bengals at the Ravens and the Chiefs hosting the Raiders. We will touch on all the week's hot-button fantasy players. But first, guys, I know a lot of you don't know that there is a world beyond football. But as you can see from my shirt, uh, there's something much more important in life that is called the St. Louis Cardinals in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Phillies Cardinals could be underway in the wild card round. And I just want to ask you guys a few questions about baseball just real quick. In, uh, for, do, you, do you know who Shohei Otani is first? Um, I am familiar with who he is, yes. You're familiar with Shohei, Shohei Otani is? That's yes. good. That's a good. The greatest player to ever play. Is that who yeah. we're talking about? Do any of you know? Name? What's his who? deal? He plays like multiple positions or something? He does. Yeah, he's like one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters. He's a That's power true. hitter and an elite top of the rotation ace. He's so cool. I love it. It's one of the That's only things sweet. that's redeemable about baseball in the year of our yeah, Lord 2022. Man. 22. Like he's he's so cool. It's awesome. He's basically unparalleled in both American and Japanese history. He is a model breaker. He Crane, you would hate him because uh, he would destroy everyone here. Uh, your stat, your spreadsheets. <laughs> no, I think he well. is a spreadsheet breaker. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I enjoy the spreadsheet breakers, you know? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Uh, do any of you know – now we'll go a little further down the ballot. Do any of you know what team Aaron Nola plays for? He's no. a pitcher for the for the Phillies, right? I think. Uh, can yeah, I think but Kyle, you're, you're Kyle a DFS MLB bro now. You know these things. I, <laughs> I, I won, also own Battle of the Bets every day. I won our Battle of the Bets on uh, all baseball props because we it was like middle of the week, and it was no, no football even close, no college football – NFL football obviously has a break from Monday to Thursday. And I was just like running the numbers and trying to pull up random pitcher projections for strikeouts or whatever. And I somehow came out and won. Also, I took the fishiest bet in the world and took Aaron Judge home run. But what like, team is Aaron Judge on, by the way? Uh, he's a Yankees. And he's also, he looks like the Predator. So, of course, I'm going to bet the home runs now, for Kyle, Aaron Judge. I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, Kyle, but... Would you mind asking Pat some questions about baseball to see if he knows it? Uh, Pat, <laughs> what... Why do I know who Lars Newtbar is? Because <laughs> uh, he mashes righties. He leads off for the St. Louis Cardinals from time to time. And he's the greatest name in human history. I'm Lars, ask- Newt- La- Lars Newtbar. Is that how you say it, right? Lars it is Newtbar. Lars Newtbar. It's one up. of the funniest that, I wouldn't have believed you if you'd, made, if you'd asked us that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he's a great platoon man for our birds. I, he makes I do know. I do know one thing, Pat. There is a Hunter Renfro, right, in baseball. Yes, oh, there are no Hunters way. Renfro, an American professional sportsman. This one, a power hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, who are, right. Are arch enemies. We hate them. They stink. They choke. They miss the playoffs. It's too bad, really. Actually. Yeah, it sound, you sound devastated. Yeah, it's too bad. It's way too bad. We need to get the football show started, but real quick, name one Los Angeles Dodger. Pat Corrine, go. Freddie Freeman, Kyle, can you name another Dodger? Clayton Kershaw. There you go. Actually. Was it? Is he on yeah, the Dodgers? All right. <laughs> uh, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Trey Turner. Uh, they have a Thompson. Yeah, yeah, like nine, nine. Baseball, bro. Look at I him was go. Gonna go. I was going to take some of those guys. No, no, no. I took the good ones. You got to name the bad ones. Uh, I was going to say Mookie Blaylock. <laughs> Kyle knows way too much about baseball. We know way Way, 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 way too much about football, which is what we're getting into now. Meeting as division rivals, trying to stabilize after shaky starts. The Ravens host the Bengals as three-point home favorites. Denny, we will begin with the Ravens running game, where J.K. Dobbins saw a much heavier workload in week four. I said it was likely only because Justice Hill departed mid-game with an injury, but Denny, you fact-checked me in the email. By the way, don't ever humiliate me like that. You pointed out that Justice Hill actually <laughs> departed later in the game, and he was getting a bigger workload. Before that, so just what do we think we can expect <laughs> going forward from Jay? I actually, I actually didn't mean to fact check you in front of everybody. I no, 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 no. It actually is fine. I'm sorry. What do we expect uh, to make it up? Uh, yeah. All right. Listen. <laughs> Uh, J.K. Dobbins last week finally saw an increased snap share. Uh, he had the six highest expected fantasy points among running backs in week four. He saw 41% of the team's rushing attempts, while Lamar Jackson saw 34%. This is a huge shift in really how the Ravens offense has been operating um, through the, uh, the early season. Uh, importantly, J.K. Dobbins saw four of the team's six goal line snaps. Uh, he, he only ran a route on 37%. Uh, of the dropbacks versus Buffalo last week. But really, like, I feel like, you know, no no Baltimore running back is going to be super involved and we're not going to be banking on, like, huge PPR production out of that backfield. So that doesn't bother me too much. But, yeah, I, I think that Dobbins is back-ish and maybe Gus Edwards will come in there and ruin ruin things eventually. But for, for this week, I think it's clearly him. Justice Hill is, I believe, is going to be out with a hamstring injury. Um, that leaves Mike Davis uh, as, as the RB, too. So I, th- I think Dobbins has a pretty safe floor. There been an update on Gus Edwards. He has been designated to return practicing. John Harbaugh said, we'll see how it looks. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to play this week, though. Man. Yeah, I, I when you get so. designated to return, you have a 21-day window to actually be officially brought back to the roster. And teams can obviously use the entirety of that 21-day window. And when your coach is like, yeah, he seems like he's kind of on the right path to maybe playing sometime in the year of our Lord 2022, uh, I, I don't think we'll see him this week. I, I think he'll come back and maybe be uh, – I mean, he's – Gus Edwards is a really good runner, but I think he'll come back and be maybe a part of the offense in weeks, you know, seven, eight, nine. Right. So when you say – when he says he's back-ish, I feel pretty good because the offense has just been putting up numbers. So even if he isn't going to get more than 15 carries or whatever, I kind of I, I call me crazy. I want to get excited about seeing J.K. Dobbins. He's a good runner. Yeah, you could do worse. I didn't, I didn't jam him into the top 24, but he is getting close to that point, especially with bye weeks about to begin uh, where – 
where there was no light at the end of the J.K. Dobbins tunnel after week three, suddenly there is after week four. But I mean, there weren't that many explosive plays from J.K. Dobbins in week four. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, the, um, the metrics are not fantastic so far for, for Dobbins. Yeah, his, his production came on two two red zone, like goal line touchdowns. He got like a little shovel pass that he bumped in another goal line touchdown. He got blown up at the goal line. He could have actually had three as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just the usage was strong, but yeah. we're still waiting for him to be J.K. Dobbins. But I'm kind of willing to bet on him eventually becoming the J.K. Dobbins we want to see. Crane, I have a different question. It seemed like you had some J.K. Dobbins thoughts, or am I just misreading your face? Are you trying to stifle laughter? I was still trying to stifle laughter from earlier. I felt uh, like so, I was in it was in church or something where you, you're not allowed to laugh. Yeah, no, so we really <laughs> sorry to the the listeners. We we do take them behind the email curtain fairly often. <laughs> I, feel like, I, feel, I, I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, we we take them behind the email curtain here on the Road to World <laughs> Football Show. Crane, my other side. It's been a slow start for Jamar Chase. It's been a very hot start for T Higgins. Is there anything interesting in their underlying usage? Or is it just, as it appears, two elite players kind of alternating production? Uh, What's going on with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? Yeah, so I I would note that Jamar Chase ran around on 97% of dropbacks last week. He's at 99% for the season. T. Higgins was at 83% last week. So there's been – I've seen some stuff on Twitter, people noting, like, when these guys are out on the field together, you know, like Higgins is outproducing him. I think, you know – even with that, you should expect Chase to be out there more, which, you know, definitely matters. And then, but when you look at their per route volume this year, Higgins has seen more target volume per route, which is, you know, pretty, pretty important. Here's the thing. So I dug in a little bit. And when you look at which guy is facing double teams, it's heavily tilted towards Chase. Chase uh, has been double teamed on 55 routes this year, trailing only Cooper Cup. That's 30% of his routes. Higgins is at 20%. So that 10, 10% difference is comparable to the difference between Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who have an 11% difference. It's comparable to the difference between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are also at an 11% difference. So I think you kind of think of them similar to like a, a Metcalf Lockett, where, you know, we're maybe not going to be able to predict who's going to have the big game, but it's still generally going to be driven more by Chase than Higgins. And I think in a game like this where it's got a very high ceiling in terms of the total, we have a, a high ceiling in terms of what the Bengals offense might be able to do through the air against the secondary. I think Chase still has like a material, materially higher ceiling than Higgins because he's driving the offense forward. And then Higgins is able to benefit from just how good Chase is in a really impactful way because he's also a star. But I think the talent difference here still, to me, points to Chase being the top guy. And you can maybe say the same thing about Higgins, but with Chase, it's important to remember, too, he was having a really disappointing game last week. I think he had three catches for 35 yards, and it was still disappointing in the end. You know, He catches like a 40-yard pass in the closing moments of the fourth quarter, and suddenly he's at 81 yards. And just not that that was a great game for fantasy managers, but just a reminder, like, Jamar Chase can win fantasy weeks on one to two plays because one yeah, of them can sure. be a 70-yard touchdown. And basically just keep the faith in Jamar. That's, I'm, this is actually a pep talk to myself. Yes. <laughs> please, 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 God. Uh, Kyle, Rashad Bateman has missed back-to-back practices with a mid-foot injury, probably not going to play for this very high-totaled game. Are there any intriguing Ravens pass catchers not named Mark Andrews? Denny and I kind of talked about Devin DuVernay earlier in the week, who maybe is the only guy worth talking about. 
any interesting Devin Duvernay, Duvernay facts and maybe a non-Duvernay name? Yeah, I mean, for the Duvernay side of it, he actually looks pretty solid. I mean, he's third on the team in errors. He's actually second on the team in yards per route run. I think that's more of a Lamar Jackson plus Devin Duvernay role kind of stat where when Devin Duvernay comes on, he runs deep routes and he gets targeted. But if he's going to continue running deep routes whenever he's on the field now more than ever, I kind of like him as, as a wide receiver three type flex option. After that, I do think it will be sort of by committee in the sense of Patrick Card will get a few more snaps. Isaiah Likely, the backup tight end, who's actually played a decent role in the offense, will get a few more snaps. Maybe if you're down bad, bad in a, in a sort of – I don't think Isaiah Likely is on the top 20 range of tight ends, but if you're down bad in a tight end premium sense, you're looking at this game, has a high total, it has possibly no Rashad Bateman. I actually don't hate Isaiah Likely, but I really do think it is a, a strong committee – by everyone who isn't Rashad Bateman, if Rashad Bateman doesn't play other than Devin Duvernay, who's been clearly the second receiver, which traditionally for Baltimore hasn't been a great option because they use their tight end one as a wide receiver one. They use their wide receiver one as a clear wide receiver two. But if we get Devin Duvernay playing a ton of routes, deep shot Lamar Jackson, like I think there's a chance for him to be a wide receiver three this week. Can I, can I, can I give folks a, a quick just a snippet or some insight into how – uh, how much, uh, I'm sorry, Devin Duvernay has been owning the regression bros. Dude, it's, it's hard. This guy this guy has converted 99% of his air yards through four games, okay? This is wow. impossible. He kick return touchdowns. So the week that you're like, ah, oh, man, he caught zero passes for zero yards and zero touchdowns, and then he gets you six points anyways. Yeah. I, I think he actually did more than that that week. But he also has, he has three scores plus the kick return touchdown. He's, I think he's a legit good player who just is in a specialized role, but that role should grow this week. Are you guys at all concerned about the offense with Bateman out? Because Bateman's been super efficient, 11.0 yards per target, quite good. Bateman's really I guess I'm a little bit more bearish that Duvernay is going to continue that efficiency. And then, like, also, even if he does, Tylen Wallace was operating as a deep threat last week a little bit. Uh, and Demarcus Robinson was was out there. Like, I feel like that's a pretty big downgrade in terms of the ability to stretch the defense. So, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous, more nervous than I would be. I guess I, I want to be really, really excited about Mark Andrews and, and Bateman being out would be maybe a reason to be a little more cautious. Sounds like Crane's down on the Shohei Otani of the NFL model breaker, Devin Duvernay. Uh, so, uh, that's something to look forward to. You guys may not have noticed it. We made a little American history this week. We are sending two winning football teams to London, England for the first time in the history of the London series. This is the 32nd game, and it's the first time both teams have been above 500. Just absolutely mind-blowing. Kyle, what do we need to know about the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers and Londonium? I mean, like you don't have to get up early for this game, honestly. It's, it's, you do, I, actually. I, I literally, in the sense of... The listener, you don't have to get up early. I will actually be blurbing this game. I, I don't think the Giants will have Kenny Galladay. Obviously, Sterling Shepard is done. It looks like maybe Kadarius Tony and Wanda Robinson will play. And because we have ambiguous situations for them, I, I'm benching all the receivers for this team. We saw in week two, Kadarius Tony actually, after playing, I think it was seven snaps in week one, he actually picked up his role a little bit as a rotational player, and that cut into Richie James's role. So to me, if you don't know for sure if – 
Richie James is playing every single snap or if Kadarius Tony is cutting into him, what does Wandale Robinson play? And this is not a passing attack that we're like, I want every third receiver on this team. Bench all of them. You you don't need to take the risk to play any of them. Last week, Saquon Barkley saw over forty percent of the team's yards on the uh, yards total, right? Rushing and receiving yards, and on the year, he's way over forty percent. It's clear that this is a let's give Saquon Barkley the ball and find out what happens type of offense. So play Saquon <laughs> Barkley, and frankly, play no one else. I, I'm not taking the gamble with anyone else. On the other side. I'm kind of a little excited. Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard, they both uh, have route rates over 90% last week on the year. They both have target shares over 18%. And for me, Romeo Dobbs in a system, or at least in an offense, a culture maybe you'd call it, that has never rewarded rookie receivers. If they're giving him such a role such early in the year, I kind of expect it to grow. Maybe that's just, you know, sort of rookie optimism from my dynasty brain. But if Romeo Dobbs <laughs> is running around, I don't know. If Romeo Dobbs is running around in almost every single Aaron Rodgers drop back and he has an 18% plus target share this early in the year, I, I kind of want to bet on him going forward. Even if I don't think he's clearly an alpha one, I think he's a 1A, 1B for a quarterback who's shown a very clear propensity to throw incredible touchdown rates, even if they're not you know the best passing attack in the league. So Kai, I think you described Aaron Rodgers expanding his mind and actually targeting rookie wide receivers. Um, so maybe what he's doing off the field is actually affecting him on the field in a positive <laughs> way. I see what you did. Yeah, Sorry. before he had gotten involved in hallucinogenics, he would have never, ever, ever targeted no. <laughs> as a rookie. We have any final thoughts on this game? Anyone have any Packers? Anybody else hear about the Packers Giants game? So, I I think this is going to be kind of a low volume game in general. I completely agree with Kyle's assessment of the New York side, but I think that the Packers like consistently kind of play down to their opponents in a way, in terms of especially in terms of like the pace of play. Uh, they they play consistently slow. Uh, I think this year, you know, they have been a run heavy team or run first team, borderline run heavy uh, to start the year. And I think we're going to continue seeing them in that mold against the Giants. Even if they have some some success to start this game, I think we could see them pivot to kind of a assault the game away type of approach pretty mm-hmm. quickly. So I just I'm worried about volume in this game. Like I, I agree about the Dobbs point. I think Lazard, you know, I don't really want to go there and. Like AJ Dillon also strikes me as like he's going to have to get in the end zone to really have a big game. I think Aaron Jones is pretty interesting because you can bet on kind of the long runs, the efficiency that we know we can get from him. Uh, but definitely just kind of overall a, a game I don't want to have a ton of pieces of. Pat Darty, I know, um, you know, the NFL is a little weird right now, but have you ever thought about giving me a good game? <laughs> I will let the people know you did volunteer to do this. <laughs> no, it actually does help my schedule. So it's very useful to have this game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have it, to see the emails, honestly. Yeah, well, so let's pull them up the emails. Hold on, I'm gonna do my favorite thing. No, 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 he's right. He's right. Don't check the emails. We don't need other things on mail. He's right. And one of the largest spreads you will see all year: the Bills are two touchdown home favorites against a quarterback changing Steelers team. Denny, they're changing horses midstream, going from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. What do the folks need to know about Steelers of Buffalo? Yeah, well, you know, we talked about it on the Monday evening uh, waiver show uh, George Pickens with all that dog in him is very interesting uh, now with with Kenny Pickett under center for uh, for Pittsburgh he saw he caught four or five targets from Pickett in the second half against the Jets he had 42 percent of the Steelers air yards in week four uh, I'm trying not to overstate it too much but it feels like Pickens has like a legit ceiling 
moving forward, even in this matchup. I, and I know like the Steelers look super down bad here. Okay. Like they, they, their implied total is hideous. They're in Buffalo. I get it. But the bill secondary is banged up. I, I, I really think that Pickens is going to challenge Deontay Johnson for the wide receiver one role here and moving forward. So if you have Pickens, if you got him off the waiver wire, you feel pretty good about playing him uh, this week. I, 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 again, try not to overstate it, but I think he has, he has tremendous upside here. I think we're forgetting about the classic Mike Tomlin principle of basically winning every game where he's a touchdown underdog and losing every game where they're like 10 point favorites. That is kind of the Steelers tradition. So what I'm saying is the Steelers will easily win this game. Right. Um, And then on the other side, just real quick, uh, Devin Singletary has this, uh, has the role that he had at the end of last year. He's running a lot of routes. He's seeing almost all the carries Uh, still not like a ceiling play by any means, uh, but is a good play here against a, a a run funnel uh, Steelers defense. So like, I, I think he's an RB two this week. I'll just say one thing about Kenny Pickett. We keep talking about how this is good for George Pickens. And like, we're not trying to like overstate Kenny Pickett as like some aggressive downfield passer. Cause that was like, not his MO. Like he's not like Mr. Challenge down the field. It's just that anyone who occasionally throws down the yeah. field is a massive upgrade right. on Ben Roethlisberger and Mitch Trubisky. And even just like occasionally looking down the field creates a huge like benefit and potentially more ceiling for the guys like George Pickens or anything. So it's not like we're trying to tell you like Kenny Pickett's going to be like a superstar. It's just that he might try to play, actually play the quarterback position and take downfield shots. It's going to, is that right, Pat? I saw you nodding. Um, no, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think, you know, Pickett will make this offense a little bit more fun. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic about Deontay Johnson. This was the only game last week where he, where he dropped below a 30% target share. And I understand that that came with a quarterback change and, you know, maybe they're not going to have that connection, but. And it might have been because he was literally dropping the ball constantly. I just think it was one of those days where like, like, I I watched this game. I blurred this game. He had a, I mean, it was a little high, right? But he had a a pass thrown right to his hands, right above his head, tipped it, interception. Great stuff, Deontay. Classic. (laughs) Sorry. gets open though. He's always had issues with drops. He gets open. He literally has been benched for drops, but he gets open at will. So I think, you know, eventually we're going to see a connection there. But I, I do agree, Denny, that, you know, pretty bullish for Pickens. I think we could see a connection with Deontay this game, by the way. We're just, they're going to need like those easy conversions. And that's yeah. what Deontay Johnson does. Uh, but I totally, I mean, I, I might have overreacted to George Pickens. The wide receiver four tier right now is just so bad. It's like all the Tyler Boyds of the world. So I frankly, I got George Pickens into the top 40, which might seem really point chasey, especially against this elite Bills defense. But he made the meme play in week three. Then he has the ceiling day in week four. He's like checking all the boxes. And another one of which is getting improved quarterback play. So I think there are genuine reasons to be excited in point chase with Mr. George Pickens. The Miami Dolphins and New York Jets are two teams playing more exciting football in 2022, you know, on a sliding scale, of course, especially when we talk about the New York Jets. Tua Tagovailoa has been a huge part of that for the Dolphins, but a sideline for week five with a concussion. Kyle, Denny is on the record as liking Teddy Bridgewater as a week five streamer. I agreed with him. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm... I don't want to be the, the I'm a zoomer. I should like any quarterback who's under 25 years old and think anyone over 25 should kick rocks. But 
I mean, the Dolphins have a 24 implied team total. They are top five in pass rate over expected. And this game is actually kind of a close total, probably because Teddy Bridgewater is in, but you know, who's counting, right? And they have two wide receivers ranked top two. They have the best two wide receivers in yards per route run. They literally have the two receivers who on a per route basis are making the most of their opportunities. The situation could not be more perfect for Teddy Bridgewater to step in. Do I think Teddy Bridgewater is great? No, but do I think he is stepping in to the best situation for a backup quarterback that we'll probably see this year? Yeah, I think so. So to me, yeah, I think he is one of the best streaming options this week. I think I think he's a top 15 to 16-ish quarterback, and it feels gross to say it, but everything is perfect other than him being Teddy Bridgewater. And even if he is Teddy Bridgewater and he just does the thing where he throws short completions and it's not exciting, he has the best receivers to complete short passes to so yeah i think he's top 15 so with uh by the way we kind of can like over credit coaching and under credit quarterbacks but i think uh to tyree kill and to excuse me tyree kill and jenna waddle leading the league in yards per outrun i think we can kind of say maybe that's a coaching stat and not Tua, because i mean Tua has been very good but i mean i don't Mike McDaniel's designing some elite offense. They schemed yeah. up a 64 yard catch to Tyreek Hill after Tua left the game in week four. And so, not to take too much of the credit away from the quarterback because it's a dangerous game to play, but this offense has really lived up to the hype in terms of just its play design. It's, a, fa- it's a fantasy friendly offense, it, it, it yeah. creates good, good environments, very pass heavy. Uh, focused on two explosive guys. I mean, 12 of, of Bridgewater's 23 throws went to either Waddle or Hill last week. So, it, it, yeah, it's really good for fantasy. Very, very good for fantasy. Crane, I'm hoping Zach Wilson is good for fantasy and that he can carry these exciting young pass catchers. What did we see in his 2022 debut? What is there to like moving forward? Who seems like the preferred receiver? So on and so forth. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for uh, the Jets side of this is probably Teddy Bridgewater as well, because we we probably need Teddy Bridgewater to be pushing the Jets a little bit here. Um, and if the Jets are dropping back and passing frequently, like they were with Joe Flacco, I think they could have a lot of success. Uh, the Dolphins rank 31st in EPA allowed per dropback. They rank 32nd in dropback success rate. They rank 29th. In coverage grades, so this is definitely you know a team that you can have some success through the air against. Uh, it does make me a little bit nervous though to be too excited about Zach Wilson. He had a minus seven percent completion percentage over expected last week. Currently ranks ahead of only Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield, and Trey Lance in that accuracy metric. So that's bad, and that also was the issue with Wilson last year. He was not accurate last year. He finished dead last in CPOE at minus 9.6%. So it's kind of like same old problems with Zach Wilson, still inaccurate. And the other problem is that the Jets hit him last week. They were passed first uh, in their first three games, uh, but then they went ultra run heavy last week. They had a minus 10% pass rate of expected. They were minus 17% on first and 10, which is super run heavy. This is the type of game plan you put out there when you're trying to hide an inaccurate quarterback. So, I, again, think that we need the Dolphins to push for us to really feel confident about any of these Jets pass catchers. By the way, Pat, uh, you're forgetting one thing, and I was reminded of this by Jets fans. They got the W. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, if you're hunting for any silver lining, because it was a pretty shaky overall 2022 debut, uh, where they did 
they did not want to put the game on his shoulders. Then they were forced yeah. to, and then he actually did produce like a game winning drive. And yeah, he had a good game winning drive too. He threw like a really nice strike to think Corey Davis and both uh, Garrett Wilson also had one, but man, it was like, if you are doing this stuff in the final four or five minutes of the game, why, what if you did it for question. the first 30 to 40 minutes of the game? Because I, I didn't think Zach Wilson, I watched this game, I didn't think Zach Wilson looked particularly good for most of the game, but his two-minute drill was very schnice. <laughs> Did you say very schnice? It was schnice. It was schnasty. He was, he was throwing dimes. It was a legit was good two-minute drill. And maybe do the two minute drill for sixty minutes, or don't. Now, did you learn know. that word on TikTok, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. My lawyers will actually have to address uh, that one. By the way, you guys may notice a subtle change in the way I talk about Zach Wilson, who I basically only ever condemned before, but now I really need him to be good for reasons <laughs> I won't really get into because of a two quarterback <laughs> league I'm in. And never, I mean, come on, I know we joke about Zach Wilson, but. He's, he's actually getting better, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. you're like not really. I feel like I feel like the Sopranos are going to come after me if I talk about Zach Wilson in a negative way anymore. Denny, I do have something else to ask you about. Is it safe to say Raheem Mostert is moving ahead of Chase Edmonds in the Dolphins' backfield? It is safe to say that, but. <laughs> Uh, Chase Edmonds is still seeing some work around the goal line. So that's really annoying. But yeah, I mean, Raheem Mostert has uh, 63% of the Dolphins rushes over the past three games. He's run uh, more than he's run 20 more routes than Chase Edmonds over the past three weeks. I, I guess there's just not a whole lot of upside in this Miami backfield because, you know, the, the Dolphins, like we've said many times, um, very pass heavy, fourth highest pass rate over expected so far this year. Uh, so Ed, Edmonds is going to be annoying for, for Mostert, but I, I think I, I would be much more confident starting Mostert than Edmonds, if that makes sense. It has been weird. I almost feel like the Chase Evans like touchdowns are just totally fluky, but they've been happening. And, and he dropped one last week. No. Terrible one last week. You no, know, it's it's been really weird. Mike McDaniel trying to get a shanty on in some ways, and maybe that's one of them, just like – where he understands his running back usage and not another person in America is allowed to. That's right. <laughs> so, so thank you for that, Michael. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, the Major League Baseball playoffs, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Bengals and Ravens in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Patrick Corain, the Chargers, and Cleveland Browns square off in a game with a 47-and-a-half total. The Chargers are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Uh, it's the Chargers' second game outside the Pacific time zone in four weeks. The schedule makers hate them. Do fantasy players. Fantasy players do not. Herbert, I think, looking pretty good, looking pretty healthy. He was really strong against the Texans, third in EPA per play on the week, 10th in CPOE, so both efficient and accurate. I think maybe the bigger question here is if this uh, sixth-round left tackle they had filling in is for real. Uh, Jamari uh, Salyer, he led all players in PFF's week four pass-blocking grades. Everybody, not just left tackles. <laughs> the whole all, all blockers, he was the best. So <laughs> I think Pat just quit the show over that. But, yeah, that's – It uh, was such a smart choice to play him over Storm Norton. Storm Norton has been a career backup who every time he enters the lineup – is just a turnstile at any any position he plays. So I like the I like the risk they took with it, and it turned out incredibly well. I think he ran like forty some pass blocking plays and did not give a single pressure. So I love that you pointed this out because he played legit good football. And if that's a thing he can repeat, this team might have a chance. Can I? We also that- have. Oh, go ahead. I mean, when Kyle breaks down offensive lines, it completely rattles me. <laughs> I, I can I can hardly tolerate. It. Anyway, go ahead, Pat. Sorry. <laughs> I, I prefer to when he does baseball. Uh, <laughs> the other thing about this game is that you know we we probably won't have Miles Garrett, or maybe definitely won't. So I you know I think one less guy you have to worry about, and it just all sets up I think for a pretty solid game from Herbert, especially after his strong game last week. Again, if uh, this sixth round rookie doesn't turn into a pumpkin here, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be buying into it completely. But uh, definitely excite an exciting development for a team that lost its left tackle. Uh, I think we're firing up Big Mike. We're firing up Eckler. Everett, I think, is a decent option this week. Uh, on the other side, we have a Chargers run defense that ranks just 28th in EPA allowed per rush. Horrible uh, I think again. The run- they were like, yeah. They well, they tried. They signed a bunch of veterans to one-year, $2 million deals, and turns out it didn't work. Who, who could have guessed? It's kind of interesting because we know the Browns are going to want to run. I think the Chargers will put up points. Uh, but it could be kind of like, you know, the Seahawks last week or something where they are run-heavy. They are, you know, or, or at least balanced, but they're efficient, and it's, you know, keeping the chains moving. And then when you look at the Chargers' pass defense, they're not very good. So this actually looks like a bounce back spot for Amari Cooper. Uh, he has a 7.6 yards per target. That's below expected. He has a 26% target share, 38% air yard share. I think volume could be up pretty significantly this week. David Njoku uh, looks like a pretty solid tight end. One option, 87% route participation last week. That's very good. So yards per route runs not off the charts or anything. He's running a little hot in yards per target. So I would like be careful about getting too carried away with Njoku, but I mean, yeah, he's he's a pretty solid option. I think in general, you know, as far as Browns uh, passing attacks are going to go with Jacoby Brissett, this is a this is a pretty good spot. So I kind of sneaky like this game because I think the Browns, while they're going to be conservative, should have success at pretty much everything they do. Do you like this game enough to volunteer to write it up for the site, Pat? 
Maybe I heard that uh, in your voice. I mean, I think you. I thought I had something in my contract where I cover the Lions every week. But they're playing, they're playing the Patriots, hey, so if you want to give highest, me this, I'll take. I actually, I like this the game highest scoring team in the league. Game. Yeah, I like this game as a DFS game. I think it's an interesting yeah. spot with both defenses sort of getting a lot more credit than their actual like EPA stats would suggest. Herbert, uh, in the first two weeks, he had like a sub six ADOT. In the past two weeks, he's had an ADOT of eight. Like th- the rib injury. I'm sure it hurts like hell, but it's not actually affecting the way the team is playing. So I don't care. I think this is actually a really interesting game. Yeah, so sorry, give it to me. Was... Pat, 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 pat. So give it to, to, to me. No, no, to I'll, me. T- I'll take it, Pat. No, no, you, no, no beat me. Oh, <laughs> well, Pat, sounds like Pat doesn't want the highest scoring team in the league anymore, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> so that's why I was giving it to their special squad. And, you know, apparently. I, I do like Dan Campbell a lot. You so. want to watch Josh Reynolds? Come on, man. Who doesn't want to watch? By the way, Brandon Staley, uh, defensive mind could maybe consider having a good defense. From time to time, um, didn't he start? Was he a quarterback though? He was. So true. He's a fraudulent yeah. defensive. He's a line, he's yeah. a fake defensive sharp. Yeah, he's a mole. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a mole. Yeah, yikes. Denny, the Minnesota Vikings return home from London, England, as touchdown favorites against the Chicago Bears. What do the folks need to know about this game? Is Justin Fields's like yardage prop over 150 this week? Uh, what do we if- need to know? Uh, yeah, I, it, it should be at like 99.5 at this point. Uh, but uh, yeah, here's what I have on this game, which is just so ugly, honestly. But uh, Chicago is the most extreme run funnel defense in the league. Dalvin Cook has 71% of the Vikings carries so far. So I suppose if they give him like 40 rush, rushing attempts here, he should crack 100 yards and maybe a touchdown. Hopefully for Dalvin Cook drafters, you could have that going for you, which is nice. Uh, Darnell Mooney uh, coming off what I would think is an absolute ceiling game last week, 94 yards, caught four of five targets. Uh, he was top 12 in air yards among wide receivers in week four. Uh, once again, this is probably as good as it's going to get for Darnell Mooney, and it's not all that fantastic. So I I think you need to uh, probably, in 12-team leagues, you could probably still find somebody who's better a better play than Darnell Mooney in this game, in this terrible uh, offense. Don't get too psyched up about what happened last week. And then on to Khalil Herbert. Uh, if Dave Montgomery is out again this week, do we have a, an update on whether he's going to he play? He has I, not I, been I, practicing on Wednesday okay. or Thursday. Right. Yeah, I, that's I, a I bad do. sign he ain't playing. Yeah, so I think, I think we can pencil in Herbert to be, again, uh, have a workhorse role here. He's uh, facing off against the Minnesota defense, allowing the seventh highest EPA per rush. Through week four, uh, Khalil Herbert could just be good. Like I I think that he's just like a really good rusher. Um, He showed that last year in three games without David Montgomery. He was good last week. I know he he didn't get the touchdown. That's kind of you know it'll hinge on that. But uh, you're you're confidently playing him again against Minnesota. Yeah, I ranked Khalil Herbert as like a high end RB one last week and was kind of embarrassed about it. But then like doing the autopsy, I mean he did have twenty handles. He did go over a hundred yards from scrimmage where. The results weren't even that bad. No. Just needed that. He needed that tutty. It, right. And he didn't, you know, which the tutty might not always be coming in this offense, which I guess we have to remember. <laughs> when evaluating bad. Khalil Herbert. But uh, any, any parting thoughts on this game? Anyone else want to talk about the Chicago Bears? I'd prefer not to, honestly. <laughs> I'd prefer, just like Bartleby, the Scrivener. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers welcome the Falcons to town as eight and a half point road underdogs. Crane, the Falcons are refusing to throw. The Bucks are suddenly only throwing. We'll get to Atlanta in a minute, but do we expect the Bucks' pass first week four ways to be the approach going 
forward with Leonard Fournette struggling and Chris Godwin back in the fold. Denny and I were kind of speculating that like Tom Brady's like finally like checking into the season. He's like, all right, whatever. Like, try, like, uh, <laughs> like we, we tried the run first thing, not doing that anymore. I'm Kobe Bryant. I'm not passing the ball anymore. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, I think there's something to the idea that he's got all his receivers back and he wants to throw the ball. I mean, this was a team that was incredibly pass heavy last year is really the chiefs and the bucks. They were the two big, you know, philosophically committed to the past teams last year. The Bills weren't even really in that mix last year. They are this year. Uh, but when you look at the pass rate of expected from the Buccaneers last week, it was at 16%. That's tied with the Chiefs in week two for the second highest rate of the season. Only the Bills in week two as well have a higher pass rate over expected. And I believe their actual pass rate was like 89 or 90% because they were down the whole time. So you expected them to pass. And then they leaned into that even more than you would have expected. So I think this was a very bullish sign for what we can expect from the Tampa Bay pass catching crew from Brady. Obviously not going to be this pass heavy. I mean, this was an extreme outlier example, but it does show that the team has sort of recommitted itself to the pass. Uh, I expect them to be closer to this version that, that we saw against the chiefs going forward than kind of that early run heavy version. That's, you know, they, they were playing left-handed because everybody was hurt. And Danny, and then on the other side of the bucks coin, you and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but what do we really think is going on with Leonard Fournette versus Rashad White? Is this like a one-week blip? Uh, you know, they fell behind early. The Chiefs were playing lights yeah. out. They kind of knew the run game was not going to get it done in week four. Or do we think, that, yeah, maybe like there isn't going to be any sort of Leonard Fournette commitment. I mean, three carries is obviously a fluke. But do we think Rashad White's like actually cutting into this? Is Leonard Fournette still an RB1? What do we tell the people about Leonard Fournette? I think he's probably like borderline RB1. I I, I do think that the Bucks are clearly uh, curious about a post-Lenny offense and what that might look like. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady's know, reading the flyers, what you're saying. They're they're dabbling, you know, and, and you can't blame them. I mean, we, we talked on the Monday show about how uh, all of Fournette's peripheral stats, his metrics are down from – what they were in 2020 and then last season. And they didn't have that far to fall. <laughs> right. And, right. He it wasn't exactly like, like blowing the roof off in that regard anyway. And, and now it's, it's bad. And I think, I think the bucks uh, are noticing. And the, the important thing is that Rashad White, who, you know, he had five catches on five targets for 50 yards uh, against the chiefs is that, is that he got uh full drives, you know, he got two full drives, against the chiefs he got two full drives i'm sorry in the first half and then in the second half and and so he wasn't just subbing in for uh you know passing down here or there for lenny it was it was all him for certain parts of the game now i i don't think that you can make the leap of saying like oh okay like you can plug in rashad white for for 10 or 12 touches going forward but definitely he, he needs to be rostered in 12 in every 12 team league and i think that you're feeling queasy if you have leonard fournette right now I would hope you are watching the show live on YouTube because you can see me and Pat Corain nodding as if we're at a Rage Against the Machine concert. Like, yes, yes, this is this is the uprising of Rashad White. We are very excited. He looks good, man. Every time he gets the ball, if he doesn't fumble, he looks very good. And as Radham fans may have seen, they had to cancel the rest of their reunion show after Zach De La Rocha broke his leg. Um, <laughs> sad news. So, yeah, they're unfortunately boomerang a little bit. Dude, is that true? It is true. true. Yes, that is true. <laughs> oh, my God. He was one step love... away from throwing his back out. 
There's like a con every every like month someone posts like a new version of someone getting like super tilted that rage is now woke in his like, <laughs> modern woke culture. Like, what did you think the machine was, yeah. man? Right, right. I cannot oh, believe so that rage went woke. I can't believe that Arthur Smith is not going woke. He's going full 1960s. He is refusing to pass the ball, Kyle. Can they really keep this up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And by the way, we'll get to Kyle Pitts in a minute. We have, we have a, a YouTube commenter that said, that said, here comes, excuse me, a Twitch commenter that said, here comes the Kyle Pitts eulogy lull. <laughs> um, my only show note Don't for Kyle Pitts. Don't lull with this, man. It hurts. Don't My only Kyle my Pitts pain. show note was a Kyle Pitts followed by the vomit emoji. I actually managed to get an emoji in a Google Doc. Um, so, yeah, what are we expecting with the Falcons approach this week? I mean, I, I guess the upside is that Tampa Bay should kind of should kind of roll over Atlanta. But to me, given they have a bottom five pass rate over expected, the Bucks are actually a little worse against the run than they are against the pass. They're 15th in rush EPA on defense and they're top five against the pass per EPA. To me, I think the Bucks are going to, or the, the Falcons are going to do what they've always done. I think they're going to try and desperately until the last minute continue to run the football, and they've been decent at it. So I have a very little amount of optimism that Kyle Pitts, who he was not him, practicing, by the he's way, he's not practicing. They've actually scaled his snaps back. He has multiple games under 80% snap rate over the past few weeks. Uh, to me, they want to run the football. They have a decent line for blocking against the run, and they face a defense that is – they're actually both good against the run and against the pass, but they are worse among the two against the run. Until they're down 21 in the fourth quarter, I think we've seen Arthur Smith prove he's going to keep trying to run the football. So I feel sad about the passing attack. Yeah. It, right, it's being reinforced. This this terrible behavior is being reinforced by by the winning. And and Arthur Smith gave the game away last week when he was called on Mike saying, "We're going to run the urine." You know, I'm keeping it clean for the kids. We're going to run the urine out of the ball. That's what, that's what I feel like that's worse somehow. It just seems. Gross. Yeah, it actually is worse. We're going <laughs> to. That's a lot way worse. It really sounds just, ickier. You just sound like a run. creepy doctor mm. now. Yes. Mm. The, <laughs> Okay, we're gonna well, run anyway. the piss out of the ball. You they're, can say they're, they're, all right. Well, sorry to the kids, but uh, yeah, it's it, <laughs> look. Uh, the the Falcons are are, are not going to change their formula, folks. They're winning. It doesn't matter what fantasy managers want. Kyle Kyle Pitts is below seventy percent in route participation now. It, he doesn't even have a tight end one profile anymore. Well. Hang on, I got to push back on this a little bit because they are winning, but they're not going to be winning this week. They're going to have to pass. And Kyle Pitts isn't even going to play because he's got this hamstring injury. He's not practicing. So, you know, Kyle Pitts obviously dust. We, you know, we don't need to talk about him again. <laughs> but let's talk about Drake London because they're going to be throwing a lot. It's all going to be funneling to Drake London. The dude's got a 34% target share this season. He might be at 40% this week. Might be worth four targets. <laughs> god oh my god yeah when you say they're actually gonna have to pass i'm like i look at their bottom pass right over expected and i see that the bucks are a little worse against that they're good against both they have good defense and i'm like oh man how many points how many points does arthur smith needs to see as a deficit to realize he should throw the ball and they've actually been a decent team throwing the ball they're not in the bottom like they're not in the dregs of throwing the football they've got good receivers if you right. include kyle pitts in that sense and i just don't think Arthur Smith cares, right? I, I really don't think he cares. I think he thinks he can win 
football by running 20 plus 20, 30 times a game. And we're going to watch that fail against the Bucks. But, I'm Bucks, down bad. listening. Stomp these guys. Stomp them. <laughs> I, I, I want you up 28 starting in the fourth quarter because we have to see we have to see if they're going to stop running the piss out of the ball. <laughs> I do like Crane's point though. Uh, uh, I do stomp like, the urine out of them. <laughs> I was not trying to make uh, Drake London looks like an alpha receiver, and I like him in this matchup. But move on, Denny Arthur Smith's facts called two victories. Don't care about your feelings. That's right. right? Yes. Um, yes. They just don't. Kyle, with injuries currently defining both teams, the Patriots catch the Lions as three-point home favorites for a contest currently uh, currently totaled at 45-and-a-half. What do we need to know about this game that Crane will apparently be covering? <laughs> uh, I mean, we had Amon Ross St. Brown DNP Thursday. It didn't. It doesn't seem like he's going to play. It doesn't seem like DeAndre Swift is going to play. DeAndre Swift, on the other hand, is back at practice. There's a lot of moving parts, honestly. Uh, there's a site called, I think it's NBCSportsEdge.com. You could get there actually going RotoWorld.com will redirect you back there, which is where uh, my tabs have it saved as. So you can check on the news there because there is moving parts here. But we saw last week, the way the line is playing, the way that the sec I'll call them secondary pieces in TJ Hawkinson and even like Josh Reynolds are playing. Detroit can put up points, I would argue, against anyone. So, of course, New England probably has a decent chance of beating them this week. But I'm not too concerned that you shouldn't be playing, you know, TJ Hawkinson as a tight end one or even streaming your Josh Reynolds. My Honestly, the one thing that I think is actually really interesting in this game is Jamal Williams. I believe he ran a route on less than half of Jared Goff's dropbacks last week. He was out-targeted by the rest of the backfield. So to me, he's the one who, I kind of come at it from a DFS angle, but he's the one who's a little more shaky. The receivers in a game that they're expected to lose are pretty exciting if you include you know, TJ Hawkinson as a receiver. On the other side, Rondre Stevenson, obviously with uh, you know, Ty Montgomery out, he's getting all of the passing downs work, but he actually leads the team in missed tackles force. He also leads the team and carries over 15 yards. If we keep getting the Ramondre Stevenson on the ground excelling, he's good through the air. We could be on pace for, let's call it two and a half sort of, you know, not three downs, but two and a half down roll for Ramondre Stevenson. I get that the offense isn't great, but I am getting more and more bullish as I was all summer on Ramondre Stevenson. I will say with Jamal Williams, the Pats run defense has kind of been uncharacteristically bad so far. Um, so maybe some- if you have Jamal, you should probably still be playing him. I just wouldn't yeah. expect 20 carries, six catches, right? It's probably 18 carries, two catches, which is yeah. still pretty good if you, you know, got him late in the, in the draft. By the way, uh, just to uh, piggyback on what Pat said about the Pats' run defense, uh, they have, they've given up the fourth highest EPA per rush. I, I just I just noticed that just before the show. I, I had no idea they were so bad, but they they were ripped last week by the Packers. The Packers did whatever they wanted on the ground. The Lions also want to run. Like it was so funny last week. The Seahawks yeah. and the Lions, like neither one of them wanted to be in this high scoring game because the Seahawks <laughs> were like running the ball. The Lions wanted to run the ball, but then they had to throw it because the Seahawks were running too effectively. So they were both like, <laughs> "What are we doing to each other?" They, I think they're going to be much more comfortable in this script with the Patriots, who probably won't be quite as you know, like me ripping off the Rashad Penny long touchdown runs most likely. So, uh, you know, I do think you're going to see a conservative game plan on both sides, and that should help. Uh, Jamal Williams succeed against the poor run defense. 
I guess I should also add because we weren't playing like Mac Jones in in DFS or in most non super in any non super flex leagues. I hope for your for the listener's sake that Mac Jones he looks like he's back in practice. He looks like he should be able to play. But we also got Bill Bell and Jack saying last week that like yeah he's day to day. He has a chance of suiting up and he, he was holding his foot in his hand. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, yeah, he's I meant to hand this training staff. We'll I'm attach it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so we just I I bet on Mac. Jones playing, but I don't feel confident in that. And Brian Horry dealing with concussions. So we have a very wide spectrum from the passing game between Mac Jones and all the way down to Bailey Zappi, who actually didn't play particularly bad. He actually played decent in his sort of spot half start. And not to mention all the Lions injuries. This is a game where you will definitely have to be checking Roto World to catch up on like the latest injury updates because it's just a total mess. The Seahawks, Patrick Crane, and the wiliest man in football, Geno Smith, arrive in New Orleans as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Gino just won't go away, and neither will the Seahawks fans tweeting at me about it. What do we need to know about Seahawks Saints? Yeah, so normally if I'm trying to figure out, like, how an offense is going to do, you know, I want to see, like, how is this passing offense going to do? And then, you know, that will help me decide if I, if I like the running game. This is the Seahawks, though. And I actually do think that the running game sets up the pass for Seattle. Pete Carroll was right. Up, he was yeah, right all along. He, He's right. He's he's found a way to be right. The Saints have a really good run defense. They're fifth in EPL out per rush, ninth in rushing success rate, 10th in run defense grade. So I don't really like the Seahawks run game here. I think that, you know, they're still going to run the ball a lot, Seattle. Like they're not going to get away from it, even if they're not being successful. They weren't all that successful to begin the Lions game. Rashad Penny actually looked, I thought, terrible. And then by the end of the game, the Lions just kind of broke down and he was able to hit these long runs uh, looking much better. I don't think we're going to get that secondary part of it this week. The Saints will probably be able to hold up. So when you think about like Geno Smith and that type of game script, those downfield plays that he was able to hit last week, I don't think there's, those are there. So, you know, I think you're still starting Metcalf and Lockett. They, they've combined for a 54% target share, 77% air yard share. I just don't think there's quite as much uh, – upside with those guys and then Gino like in terms of streaming options I think he's a lot less interesting this week um and then with Penny like I'm considering starting Tyler Algier over Penny in a league Ooh. uh I, you know that's like kind of where I'm at I'm start, I'm a little nervous about Penny I know he just had the big game and part of me wants to just plug him back in but that's kind of like where my head's at on him uh on the Saints side sounds like we're trending towards Dalton he was pretty good Last week, a uh, small sample, but currently ranks seventh in EPA per play and second in CPOE, so both efficient and accurate. He fed Chris Olave, uh, which Kyle said on our Friday Q&A show would happen. I was a lot more skeptical of that because, you know, it's Andy Dalton in a deep threat. I didn't think that would mesh that well. But not only did Olave have a 26% target share, but he had a 19.4 ADOT, so continued to be used as a, very much a downfield threat. He looks quite startable no matter who the quarterback is. Seems to be in, a, in the midst of a true breakout season. Uh, and then, you know, Kamara sounds like maybe he'll be back. Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray combined for a 15% target share last week. Would make sense that Dalton might be a little bit better for running back receptions than Jameis Winston. So kind of excited to see if we do get Kamara because, uh, yeah, Dalton might set up pretty well for him. I will just say, Pat, it's interesting. The Saints are still checking out well in the rushing metrics. It's not like they've been getting hammered by the run, but they've been uncharacteristically giving up like bigger individual rushing performances. They've allowed several 100-yard days, which they had not done since 2020. Coming yeah, in Patterson went off against them. 
And they've had someone else had a hundred yard day against them too. I can't even remember who it was, but Denny, the Seahawks backfield's also been reduced from three men to two. So maybe that's good for Rashad Penny, right? Uh, we still like Rashad Penny? Question mark. Yeah. Let's well, I mean, it's never going to be as good as it was last week. But I, on, in all the key metrics, uh, you know, evasion, yards after contact, everything. I mean, Penny looks almost as good as he did at the end of, of last year. So case um, closed. Not, you know, he's not seeing the sort of passing down work and route participation that you'd want to see from from a from like a, a workhorse, typical workhorse back. But if if folks are going to look at last week and say, "Oh, okay, that's what I get out of Rashad Penny," I mean, you're it, you're going to be in for a tough week. I, I will I will say that. Where are you uh, at on the Algier line? Is he firmly ahead of of that for you though? That's a that's a good. You know, when you said it. I, my, you know, reflexively, I said, no, no, I'd, I'd play Penny, <laughs> but the more, the more I'm thinking of it, perhaps I, I would lean Algier. I actually think, I actually think that Algier's uh, hold as a lead back is, is maybe a little more tenuous than, than we're thinking. Uh, yes. So I might, I might go Penny there. Yeah. Me too. I think I still okay. go Penny. Caleb Huntley doesn't actually exist. The only undefeated team in football, Philadelphia, arrives in Arizona as five-point favorites. By the grace of God, the Cardinals are somehow two and two, but have looked ready for a Kings- King- Cliff Kingsbury. Get a better name for a Cliff Kingsbury firing. Denny, we'll get to the Eagles in a minute, but we will begin with the Cardinals pass catchers. Rondell Moore is back, but are there any Arizona receivers, tight ends we like beyond Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz? Or- Marquise Brown was didn't practice Wednesday. He did practice Thursday. He should play. Rondale and Dortch just kind of seemed to cannibalize each other last week. It's an elite Eagles pass defense. The lay of the Cardinals passing land, Denny. Yeah, I'll get to the frustration of the Rondale Moore situation in just a second. But Marquise Brown is is like truly dominating air yards. Uh, he's seen forty percent of the team's air yards this year. Fifth highest in the league. That's fifth highest mark in the league overall. Uh, he's not exactly running hot either he's only converting 48 percent of his air yards into actual yards so i don't think that this is you know super fluky usage or production that we're seeing out of marquise brown i think you can still start him i mean this is this is a a tough matchup i think you know what one thing especially like for dfs purposes that i've been uh wrong on completely is trying to find a run back option against the eagles because the eagles defense is so strong that there doesn't seem to be a run back except for Jamal Agnew, which I'm, I whiffed on last week. I will say <laughs> I'm not tilting. Uh, so uh, Rondell Moore's usage last week, it stunk because he was used primarily as an outside receiver. He ran only a third of his routes from the slot. While my guy, Greg Dortch remained in the slot primarily, I think 78, 76% route rate. So from the side, and this is actually what crane said last week. He said, hold up. We cannot say Rondell Moore is going to slide into the slot because this is Cliff Kingsbury and Greg Dorch could have that role. Well, he did. Congratulations, Crane. You were right on a horrible prediction. Yeah, just so happy to be right on this. I just Googled it. Rondell Moore still is 5'7". So probably yeah. not the best outside On wide outside. receiver. He, did you guys see, Crane, we talked about the, the recap pod where he had an outside route where he finally caught a pass. The problem was... He had no clue. He was on the at the sideline, and he was like two <laughs> yards out of bounds and didn't oh, yes. need to be. Yeah, I yeah. hate to bring this back to baseball, but have you ever ever seen the picture of? I assume it's Jose Altuve standing next to Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge is like six seven, and I assume Jose Altuve 
is he's like five five not five five right and imagine every single defensive back looking like that against rondale moore if he's not playing every single snap in the slot what are we, what are, what are we doing here cliff I'm pretty sure we could have found a height analogy that didn't involve baseball there. But, yeah, it's it's rough, man. I guess the one thing I'll say is that Rondell Moore ran a route on 94% of dropbacks, which is way higher than we would normally expect for a slot receiver. But this is an offense that uses their slot a lot, so that's also a pretty weak silver lining. It's gross. I mean, it honestly is also a problem because DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back soon. I keep so forgetting about that guy. When that Obviously, that doesn't apply to this game, but when that happens – does that mean that Moore is leaving the field? Because right. we yes. got to keep Dorch yes. in the Cliff slot? wants nothing more than to kick Rondale Moore off the field. <laughs> oh, this is bad, guys. <laughs> yes, it is. It's real bad news. Uh, real good news, Crane, was Miles Sanders having a huge a career week four, some might say, including the box score, because it was it was a career week for Miles <laughs> Sanders. Are we liking him as maybe a top 15 guy at this point? Is he finally – Sees control of this backfield. You know, he did this even with Jalen Hurts still getting a rushing touchdown. I think still carrying the ball like 15 or 16 times at long last as a Miles Sanders season. I mean, I definitely think he showed that he has the ceiling. Uh, he's running back 16 now in expected points per game, up from morning, running back 29 last week. He had a massive workload uh, last week in the rain. Uh, but, you know, even last week, he did lose out on a touchdown to Kenny Gainwell. So, you know, it's not going to be all that consistent. It's going to continue to be frustrating, I think. Uh, and, you know, with the Eagles last week, rainy, windy conditions, Jalen Hurts struggling, and they and Trevor Lawrence struggling badly, and they flipped the script. They went super run heavy. I don't think we're going to see that a lot. Now, it's definitely interesting that they have that gear, and they were highly successful doing that. So I think that does open up a ceiling where, you know, if, if they need to kind of have a counter punch, they've got one in Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts on the ground. But prime, their primary method of attack, and I think it really sets up for this to be the case against the Cardinals, is that they're going to try to beat teams through the passing game. So in most weeks, I think Sanders is going to frustrate. And probably three or four weeks from now, we're going to be like, I don't know, is Sanders dust? And then he'll have another blow-up <laughs> game later. But it's going to be that type of game. One might say better in best ball type of uh, profile here for Miles Sanders. Do you like Devontae Smith to bounce back as like maybe a wide receiver two type this week then? Because he finally had a quiet game in week four. I do. One thing I noted um, as I was doing my – this isn't out yet, but in the walkthrough you'll see is that Devontae Smith's running so many routes. This actually applies to Dallas Goddard as well, who's out there uh, I believe for every route last week. And they're, so they're running so many routes that they're actually kind of able to be a little insulated from the fact that A.J. Brown is just an absolute target monster on his routes because they're just out there way more than, you know, you'd even expect for full-time players. So I think that when volume picks up for this offense, we do have a chance of spiked weeks for both Smith and Goddard. And this is that setup, at least has the potential to be a high-volume game. We need the Cardinals to push back here, which, you know, they haven't always done this season. But – uh, you know, if they're able to kind of push the Eagles a little bit, the Cardinals pass defense is so bad that I think we could see some nice volume on the Eagles side. Denny, with Carson Wentz's play already circling the drain, the commanders welcome the Titans and 80,000 of their fans to Washington this week <laughs> as two and a half point home underdogs. What yeah. do the folks need to know about this game? 
Yeah, uh, you know, you, you got that wrong. It can't be 80,000 because they cover up half the seats uh, <laughs> in, that, in that stadium. Yeah. So it's <laughs> very good point. Yeah, it's a it's a down bad situation. So, all right. I, I'm I'm trying to paint a somewhat rosy picture here for Carson Wentz and the and uh, cut his mic. Good Washington. good luck, good luck, yeah. buddy. Have fun. <laughs> Wait a second. No, I won't be silent here. Uh, the t- look, the t- it's a good matchup. The matchup is right. Okay, the the Titans are giving up the third highest EPA per play uh, overall and the fifth highest EPA per drop back. Uh, Washington, of course, well, not quite as run uh, pass heavy as they were to start the season, but they're still 14th in pass rate over expected. Um, and and they remain, I think, pass first primarily. And look, Terry McLaurin, I think, has is a really good ceiling option here. Not sure about the floor, but the ceiling is there. He's fifth, he's fifth in targets uh, of more than 20 yards. He's third among wide receivers in air yards over the past three weeks. And uh, Tennessee has allowed the fourth most yards to wide receivers through week four. So I, you know, Carson Wentz does one thing. Okay. And that's throw it deep and high and McLaurin gets under those, uh, those footballs sometimes. And so that maybe, maybe we can rely on that, but I, I know last week was tough, like for everybody in the Washington offense, but that was never, that was a horrible, horrible matchup for a bad offensive line against the dominant Dallas defensive line. They, they, they were never going to succeed. The commanders were never going to succeed like that. Hopefully they won't be wearing those jerseys. Hopefully. Ever again. Right. Hopefully they, they, they get by against, I think like a burnable Tennessee defense. The Tennessee after, defense doesn't scare me. After the season, the commanders are going to trade Carson Wentz to Denny. <laughs> hey, well, he just needs the right himself as a Carson Wentz guy. I never thought I'd see this. That's right. <laughs> By the way, working in Denny's favors point points favor is that Jahan Dotson seems to be trending towards not playing with a hamstring injury, mm-hmm. perhaps leaving Terry McLaurin as the only show in town down the field. My fear for this game, by the way, though, Denny, is like it's a good it's kind of one of those games where they're good matchups for each other. You're like Carson Wentz is a good match for a struggling defense. And I just worry like it's going to be the Titans taking the day. And that, But you're correct that it is a good, very good matchup on paper. From I, mean, I think Washington will lose, but I, I think it could be, could be fun. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it is a road game for them at their own stadium. Yes, um, just yeah, like every game. It's got to be so demoralizing. It is. The players like basically like openly cry about it. Like, <laughs> like, this would. is so dumb. I'm like, please just – be a normal franchise so we can have fans again. And Daniel Snyder's, I prefer not to. Yeah, Jalen Hurts said. Yeah, because he'd have to sell the franchise. Yeah, for that to <laughs> yeah, Jalen Hurts said that fans were great. He said that after they played in Washington. <laughs> That's always a great sign. Hey, at least Jalen Hurts practicing the art of forgiveness after the stadium literally collapsed on him yeah, last year. Um, Kyle Dvorak. And perhaps the most unspeakable matchup of the year so far. You're going to give me this game. You're going to. I know. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> no, it's an afternoon game. You're not doing an afternoon. Oh, no. Oh, nice. I, Let's go. Actually, I'm not sure. The Panthers host the San Francisco 49ers as nearly touchdown home underdogs. Patrick Crane is a stat. He was dying to share in a few minutes. But first, Kyle, give us the lay of the sorry land on the 49ers at Panthers. 39 total. Yeah, man. A brutal total for this game. And I guess maybe – Maybe, and I don't feel confident in saying this, but maybe the optimistic sense from what we saw last week was DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey combined for a 56% target share. They were hovering just above 40% on the year before that. CMC went 81, scored a touchdown. I believe he caught all nine of his passes. DJ Moore saw 11 targets. 
But the thing is, if we're banking on them seeing, oh, maybe some weeks they see, a, you know, let's just combine them for 30, 40% target share, and sometimes they eclipse above 50, you need them to see 70 plus percent because the offense is so bad that in any week that we don't see them absolutely dominate the ball, that we're not going to get a good game from specifically DJ Moore, but even McCaffrey, he just has to get there on the ground. And that's not what we wanted when we drafted McCaffrey at 101 over Jonathan Taylor, even with Taylor hurt this week. So to me, last week was a bit of a sense of optimism in the sense of we saw Baker Mayfield finally decide that, hey, I have two great players on my team. I'm just going to target them all game. But the offense is so bad, they rank last in overall yards per game, just combined offense, that even if we get a large target share or a large share of the, you know, the carries, the overall offense from McCaffrey, I'm not excited about them. Maybe I'm starting them more as a flex McCaffrey as a top 10 running back, but I'm not excited about it. On the other side, I, I have a little sense of optimism. Debo Samuel, once again, played fewer than 10 snaps at running back. He saw a 26% target share. He's doing the thing we want him to do. He's playing mostly receiver, and then he sprinkles in a few carries, which he's really efficient at. And that's what we want to see because we want him to be the alpha one. And then George Kittle, again, a little sense of optimism in the sense of he's ran 80% of the team's routes over the past two weeks, plus 90% snap share over the past two weeks. I think the injury issues are completely gone. He's playing all the snaps, so I'm not concerned. He's just George Kittle in the sense that some weeks he goes for 180 and he breaks the slate, and some weeks he goes four for 40. And that hurts. And that's just what you have to deal with, but you're starting him. I kind of like, by the way, Kittle this week, where it seems like Kyle Shanahan's beginning to get sensitive about the narrative with George Kittle. And I do think like a blow-up game, maybe coaching-inspired blow-up game is coming soon for George Kittle. But what is coming right now is Pat Corain's stunning Baker Mayfield stat. What is it, Pat? (laughs) Well, I tweeted this out, but I just am so tickled by this because I was, you know – when you're writing stuff up, it's like he's he's 33rd out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks in EPA per play. You know, okay, he's worse. He's the last. But then it's like, well, what else can I compare him to? So, <laughs> so I went and found the running EPA, the uh, oh. EPA per rush of, of teams and started comparing Baker Mayfield's efficiency compared to running games. And obviously passing the ball is more efficient than rushing the ball. The top six quarterbacks in EPA per play are all more efficient than every running game in the entire NFL. So not a particularly high bar I'm setting to say, hey, be more efficient than running games. 26 running games are more efficient than Baker Mayfield this year. 26. Wow. Dude, him and Matt Rule are just a match made in hell. (laughs) Rule has no – Rule wouldn't know what to do with, like, a good quarterback with Baker Mayfield. He's basically just, like, just praying someone, like, comes up to him and, like, takes his headset, like, oh, let me have a shot. Co- yeah, Coach, yeah, it's just the weather's rough today. You know, you didn't get much sleep last night. Just let me see if I can. He's like, please, yes, thank you. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone, please, and do anything with Baker Mayfield. Uh, he has no, yeah. This no, I, I we want Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Darnold is very hurt <laughs> right now. He's not going to be back for a while if you are – a uh, really desperate down bad in this situation. I'm not sure we the, the talk about famous last words, man. We want Sam Darnold. He's he's the Kenny Pickett in this scenario. He's going to chuck it up at least. Chuck he, it up. That is true, actually, man. DJ Moore, wide receiver, forty. Uh, uh, not loving it. Uh, David Tepper is going to need to find a new hobby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, David Maybe Tepper. You know, David Tepper. You know, you know, he's a fake analytics guy because he's come in and this has been what's happened. Like, right? He was easily hoodwinked by Matt Rule. Yeah, I'm an analytics guy. 
Do you, uh, sure. So yeah, dude. When like when Jets GM Joe Douglas gets the better of you, you're you're not you're not doing well, right? Like that is not the sign of advanced analytics. When you're trading for Sam Donald, who's been bad throughout his career, we're trading for Baker Mayfield, who's been bad throughout his career. Like you don't get it, man. You just don't understand how football works. When does the new season of Drive to Survive come out? Because maybe we can get Tepper into F1. Get him over. Where <laughs> <laughs> his billions can be put to better uses. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone can run a football team. Uh, the Raiders and Chiefs meet in this week's highest totaled matchup at 51. The Chiefs are seven home, seven point home favorites, Kyle Dvorak. We finally saw some Sky more in week four. Fantasy alert, folks. Do we think that maybe a change in deployment is on tap in the Chiefs receiver core? We're getting there, right? I don't think it is fantasy relevant for this week, but I do think for the long term it's up. Op- Domestic, hopefully, that Sky Moore had a 26% snap rate. And then on those on those routes he ran, he was targeted on 36% of them, which obviously is elite, although for these sort of back end of the roster, or at least back end of the rotation kind of guys, you would think they're getting in to get schemed the ball. But I do like the fact that when he gets on the field, he's getting the ball. So I think for your fantasy leagues, if you uh, – I assume everyone cut Sky Moore reasonably so long time ago – but I don't hate stashing him as far as maybe he's the guy you need for weeks 10, 11, 12, 13. We have seen absolutely nothing from Juju from MVS. These guys are producing nothing. No 100 yard games, no touchdowns. They lead the league. They lead the team, excuse me, in terms of routes run, but they're not doing anything with that opportunity. So the, the volume is up for grabs. It's, it's Sky Moore. Maybe it's me, Cole. Obviously, it's been Travis Kelsey so far and somehow Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But there is a role to be played on this offense that they're just begging for and we're getting nothing from juju and mbs so although this is not a week i will tout as far as like a season longs perspective sky more i think you want to be stashing him because he's the best shot they have i think that's that's not man juju i'm just that's one i already said on the pie i like, apologize like dude I, we just got it least, wrong we're yeah wrong. exactly i think it was tuesday show we talked about where like i was right and that he's going to be the most targeted receiver. Yeah. I was horribly wrong in inferring there was upside there because it's Juju Smith-Schuster. There's just not. Well, here's here's the other thing with MVS and Juju is that they're actually seeing their routes decline. This is also true of Miko Hardman. I don't know that it's necessarily related to Sky Moore. He, you know, he only had like 20-something route percentage yeah. last week. It's related to the fact that they're running out two tight end sets. They Noah Gray. Jody, Jody Fortson. Austin Watson. Yeah. So you're, this heavy personnel is like it, it's been bad for these wide receivers because it could be good for them if now they're competing against Jody Fortson instead of another wide receiver for targets. But there's still a rotation. So there's like a rotation plus fewer wide receiver routes overall. So it's just a really bad situation to be one of the underperforming guys. I think ultimately there's going to be upside here once Sky Moore takes over as the wide receiver one. Let's go. <laughs> whoa, whoa. It, it was, good, it was good to see him get, get into the rotation in the second half against Tampa. Like he, he clearly, he clearly is a boost for that offense with, with how they, they, those receivers have been bad. Like there's no two ways about it. They've been bad. They have been very bad. And yes, guy was basically only playing special teams before last week. So it's time to try something new, something to look forward to. Denny, are we looking forward to Clyde Edwards Elair as an RB2? Is this actually happening? Is he getting safer? Is he no longer just touchdowns? What's going on with CH in the Chiefs backfield? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the regression talk is just being thrown back in our faces week in and week out. Um, he's like 
breaking records basically with the amount of receiving touchdowns he's seen through four games uh that you know it just it just can't it cannot hold i you know saying that he you know last week in positive game script he saw 19 carries i know uh isaiah pacheco saw 11 carries and and looked good doing it uh but yeah i mean he remains the rb1 through you know over the course of the first four weeks of the season ceh has 40% of the Chiefs' uh, rushing attempts, um, averaging over five yards carry, has a couple rushing touchdowns. Uh, so I, I, I do think that he's a floor option who keeps hitting his ceiling uh, you know, <laughs> against against all odds. Uh, and, and you know, just as we're, as long as we're talking about this backfield, um, first of all, I think you're, you, I mean, you're playing CEAs, 12-team leagues. You're, you, you, you keep playing them. Uh, but as long as we're talking about the KC backfield, you get, get Pacheco. Like, you know, you he needs to be picked up in 12-team leagues, you know, as a contingency option. It's It would seem that he would be the early down back. Uh, maybe Jarek McKinnon would eat into the routes, whatever. But you you could have, like, an RB2-3 there if something happened to uh, Edwards there. He was dropped in one of my high stakes leagues, and we spent... I'd like first to join you, this first, league. first you fainted, and then, yeah. then what happened? Then we spent over five hundred of our thousand dollar free agent acquisition budget to pick up Pacheco. We we yeah over yeah. half the budget to get him. We did get him. Pretty excited. I would hope. <laughs> I will hey, say hey, last uh, week yeah. Clyde Rizler ran more routes than Jerick McKinnon, and he's been elite in yards per route run this year. That's the thing we always wanted him to do. He's also scoring touchdowns in the red zone. He's getting routes. Like, do I think he's good? Of course not. I'm not a rube. But do I think he is doing the thing he was supposed to do when he was drafted in the first round He's on an offense? Do you see that ball clang off his hands? He's Look, wide all open. right. I don't watch film. I have never. What is football? Who knows? No, a television. The How video? do you cover the games when you do that? I, I, so I, at the end of the game, I see a box score. And I assume that everything I see happened as I would expect it to have happened. <laughs> I actually have seen that Clyde of drop. Fiction. It is uh, brutal. But he's still good in yards per hour. Run. <laughs> The spreadsheet yeah. still stays good. No, he is. No, no, his yard. Everything, everything looks solid. Now you, you, you cannot bank on him constantly catching like little like flip behind the back passes for touchdowns near the goal line. Like that's not going to keep happening. But yeah, I, I think that he has enough going for him where you can confidently plug him in 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 a twelve team league. I do too. Crane and the, the other backfield: Josh Jacobs, career day in week four. Like Josh McDaniels, like desperately wanted to patriotify, whatever the word is, this backfield. He signed Brandon Bolden. He wanted Zamir White to be his new James White. None of those plans worked. Like he's finally admitted that this, if he's going to give touches this backfield, it just needs to be Josh Jacobs. Is is this for real? Is he maybe pushing for RB one value? I hate saying this, but just eighty nine percent snap share last week. Man, I mean, he's he's RB six in expected points right now. Here's some running backs he's ahead of: Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Najee Harris. Like, yeah, yes, he's pushing for RB one value. Now, I, I don't think he's an RB one. I think he's like a high end RB two because I'm not completely buying this this snap share stuff. I don't think he's like fully game script uh, independent. You know, he could be scripted out. Uh, he's run around on fifty percent of dropbacks though. So like as long as it's back and forth, I think he'll be involved. Maybe if, if they're playing way from behind, he won't be out there in kind of a hurry up type offense. But you know he's he is involved in the passing game. He's involved. I mean, eighty nine percent snaps. You're you're pretty much involved in everything. So 
yeah, I, I think uh, high-end RB2 for Josh Jacobs. Real quick, what do we do with Darren Waller? Does anyone have a, a Darren Waller take? Um, like, is there anything actually concerning? This seems like basically a few slow games. Uh, it felt to me like a little more than a few slow games, the way his target share has dropped. They're using him more outside. But to me, if you have Devontae Adams who enters the offense and he immediately has a massive 30 plus percent target share, and then Derek Waller has a target share that is his lowest dating back to his first year, which was hardly, he hardly even knew the Raiders at that point. I think it was 2018. Like, it's not that hard to put one and two together to realize that Devontae Adams showing up in the offense has crowded Darren Waller out. I don't think he is as down bad as Kyle Pitts because the offense is far better for passing production. But it's clear that he's not the alpha one Darren Waller that we were used to in years past. And it's not shocking because they had Devontae Adams. Yeah, he's actually top. He's still top 10, amazingly, in tight end uh, target share uh, through through week four. And I think that shows you just how bad the tight end position yes, is exactly that's an so, indictment yes yeah, it is it is and, and and so you know if you have darren waller you you have to keep playing him like you're not going to scoop up any you're not going to scoop up conk daddy and play him over darren waller okay <laughs> i don't know it depends how weird you are you might <laughs> no you're not to be clear you're absolutely not crane fresh off getting demolished in philadelphia the jaguars look to rebound as touchdown home favorites against the number one pick seeking houston texans what is there to know about this game, if anything? Look, the Texans, okay, they are trying. They're actually trying. <laughs> they rank seventh in pass rate over expected. They've been aggressive in neutral situations. Uh, they're 11th in situation neutral pass rate. They're third in pass rate over expected on first and 10. That generally sets your passing game up for success. They're setting up for success, and they rank 31st in EPA per play, uh, per dropback. They they've been <laughs> a terrible passing game, but they are. They're doing what they can. Nevertheless, I do think... <laughs> I think you could see some competence here. Uh, I think the Jaguars offense is, or Jaguars defense, excuse me, is a little bit overrated. They put, they played Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and injured Justin Herbert. They got Jalen Hurts in the rain. So there's a couple quarterbacks that could have exposed them by now, but haven't been able to. They rank 22nd in coverage grade still, which makes me feel like, you know, this, this defense might be like way worse than, than we realize. So that makes me, a little bit interested in Nico Collins, you know, mildly interested. I think it's a good spot for Brandon Cooks. Pierce looks like a solid running back two option this week. You know, he's going to be kind of a reflection of the overall offense. And, you know, they could be okay this week. On the Jaguars side, this looks like a bounce back spot. Um, Lawrence did not play well against the Eagles. 30th in EPA per play, 33rd in CPOE, so very gross game from him. But we have the weather issues. I'm kind of willing to say I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts because of that game. I'm also not super worried about Lawrence. Even if you are a little bit worried about Lawrence, his big thing has been when he's pressured this year. And the Texans rank 25th in pass rush grade. Mm -hmm. So I think Lawrence should be fine. You know, this is a pretty good matchup specifically for his skill set. Christian Kirk is probably the way, you know, the we want to play this on the Jaguars side. He had a 41% target share and a 50% area yard share and 2.31 yards per route run while running a route on 96% of dropbacks last week in his absolutely horrible game. This was a offensive volume type of issue for Kirk. I don't think it was anything to freak out about. Like once we get into a dry situation, you know, against a weak defense, Kirk still looks like a very strong play to me. Uh, Travis Etienne, he quietly led the backfield last week in snaps. He was also 52% percent 
to 33% in route participation over James Robinson. I think he's kind of back on the RB2 radar, at least. And then Robinson looking more like a low floor RB2. Against a bad, very bad Texans run defense, at least. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, there's some upside there. There will be some upside. Yeah, I mean, as much as that's a concept that exists, James Robinson upside. I'm still not really sure that's actually a thing. <laughs> but we will end the show talking about the reeling Los Angeles Rams hosting the Cowboys as five-and-a-half-point home favorites, <clears throat> which seems – I don't know. Should the Rams be five and a half point home favorites over anybody right now? I don't think so. Especially a team with Micah Parsons, uh, Crane. Well, I was to say, we'll get to the Cowboys in one second. I think we're just going to skip talking about the Cowboys today. Are there any silver linings to be found with the struggling Rams offense, or is it as bad as it appears on my television every week in prime time? I think it's as bad and it could get worse. They, they rank last in uh, pass blocking grade going against Micah Parsons. That's probably going to go awesome. And then when you look at Cooper Cup, who is surviving this, he is a 37% target share. That's the second highest number we've seen since 2012, if it were to hold for a whole year. Brandon Marshall's 41%, which is just unbelievable. What? It, yeah, 41% in 2012. Dude, Brandon Marshall's stats are so cool from back in the day. Having not lived through that because I'm just a young Zoomer boy, finding out about them is unbelievable. <laughs> but, I mean – it, other than that, we're talking Julio Jones at 35% one year, and then it's like you don't see anyone above 34%. Cooper Cup was at 32% last year, so he can have a massive, massive target share. He can sustain a massive target share, but I don't think even Cooper Cup can sustain this. So if we see him fall back to the pack just a little bit in target share and this offense doesn't take a step forward, which, man, it's hard to imagine them doing that this week. Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. The Rams were literally ranked first last year in pass blocking grade for yep. PFF, and they are dead last. You cannot find a larger discrepancy between year That's over year. That's as big as it gets. That's as big as it gets. We only have 32 teams. Trim. And between that and the loss of like Odo Beckham slash Robert Woods at the beginning of the year, this team looks lost. They look completely lost. Yeah, it's just, man, of all the people, like basically every Ram talked about retiring, and then they all came back except for Andrew Whitworth and – Maybe they could have used Whitworth over literally every other Ram. Yes, including Sean McVay. Uh, sorry, Sean. Uh, wow. No offense. But, Danny, we're talking about how everything's so bleak. Is it the same thing in the Rams' backfield? Anything to differentiate Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson? I mean, and if there is, does it even matter? Uh, I know. I, it's, yeah, it's really gross. Um, I mean, basically, Cam Akers is completely useless if the Rams are playing from behind. Uh, he has uh, Acres has 27 rushing attempts in two Rams victories this year. He has 11 rushing attempts in two Rams losses. Meanwhile, uh, Daryl Henderson, as the Zoomers are calling him, Hendo. Uh, <laughs> has, uh, <laughs> I think I've been canceled. Uh, H- 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 Henderson has 105 pass routes to 36 pass routes for Acres. So we know the score there. We know how they're being used. Uh, I guess since the Rams are favored here, there's a possibility they'll see sort of game script where Acres can get some some you know opportunity. But man, I think you have to be pretty pretty desperate in a 12 team league to play Acres. Yeah, I tweeted this. I think maybe so it worked. I think we talked about this on a different show too. Like the Rams' approach of like selling out to win the Super Bowl worked. They won the Super Bowl, but I think now we're seeing the effects of a team that never makes first round picks. It's only made 13 top yeah. 100 selections since 2016. The baseline, I think, for that's at least 21. Like just trading away all their top 100 picks, and you're just seeing a team that has no depth. And it's like the second someone gets hurt, they're basically playing practice squad guys. 
including at receiver. I mean, Ben Skrownick should just not be a thing. Like, I, it's easy he's to better see than Robinson. Word. He's better than Allen Robinson. He's better than Tutu Atwell, who they used to the Yeah, I, I was about to say, I think this almost lets them off the hook a little bit be, to say they haven't had picks. They've spent the picks on Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson. I mean, yeah, they, if they drafted okay at wide receiver, I mean, they wouldn't be dealing with this. They're making fun of uh, – uh, strange the Patriots guy though. I thought that guy was gonna go day three. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know where I thought Tutu Atwell was gonna go at 156 pounds? <laughs> Not round two. <laughs> yeah, man, Sean, we're all thinking of you. Uh, you're the boy genius. It's time to prove it. <laughs> all right. Um, and we're all thinking of ourselves because we've been talking for a long time, and it's time to end the show. Uh, but we got to it. We except for the Cowboys. Sorry, we didn't talk about you, Cowboys. I mean, you know, whatever. The K- Cooper Rush, well, you know, quote unquote, uh, Cowboys. They exist. It's all CD Lamb, second yeah. and Whopper yep. in the league. By the way, C D Lamb and skip the rest of the guys. They're boring. C D Lamb sat out Thursday's practice because uh-huh. quote the GPS numbers were too high. His GPS numbers. I swear. That's so we, awesome. That is we so have, cool. We have a blurb. It means that that the, he had the, the zoomies. The, Basically, he had the zoomies. The team tracks his steps. Huh. And, so he'd run they, too much the previous day, and they were too they were too high. So basically, what I'm saying is the analytics have gone too far. And I now, <laughs> yeah, this doesn't now, actually seem. I'm now a film guy. I don't know. Jimmy's a film guy. We're we're all film guys because you can watch this on YouTube. You can listen to it, of course, wherever you download and subscribe to podcasts, which you already know if you've made it this far in the show. <laughs> uh, you're subscribed to us and listening to us, but uh, subscribe and. You know, in theory, if you don't have to subscribe to our website, but subscribe to the articles we post because they're all awesome. Crane's walkthrough, Denny's waivers, Kyle's 32 facts, my rankings, all of our podcasts, all of our live shows. Kyle Dvorak on Thursday evenings with Mr. Lawrence Jackson and Vaughn. Just thanks for listening. We hope you heard something useful. We hope you had a little fun. We hope you learned something about email ethics. And for Pat, for Kyle and for Denny, I'm the other Pat. We'll catch you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.